Hey everyone, I've got some exciting news. We're unlocking Southpaw Deep Space Nine Season 2 and making it available for everyone on our public feed. But if you love our work and want to be the first to listen to Season 3 as it's being released, head over to Patreon. There you'll find break-free versions of past SDS9 episodes, Southpaw and Fight Study, and our other bonus show, Fighter's Brew. You'll also find our Liberation Martial Arts program, which is exclusive to our supporters. It's for beginner and advanced martial artists, as well as people just looking for fitness and rehabilitation. It's a gentle, wholesome, and embodied approach to training. Lots of individuals, trainers, families, friends, collectives, activists, and organizations are already using it. So if you want to support our work and get early access to all our great content, including Season 3 of SDS9, go to patreon.com slash southpawpod and join our community. You can also go to southpawpod.com and find the links there or on our show notes. Thanks for listening and catch you soon. This is Southpaw Deep Space Nine Season 2, where we analyze Deep Space Nine and Star Trek from a political and historical lens, episode by episode. I'm watching DS9 with fresh and hopefully less fan-biased eyes, and Scott is the veteran Trek fan who knows more context about the show. We are discussing Season 2 of DS9, Episode 9, Second Sight. Scott, can you tell us about this episode? Yeah, sure, why not? So, Second Sight, a bit of an episode maybe for the completest. Uh, ben is lamenting the anniversary of his wife passing. Jake and Ben have a great talk about dreams. Jake in his dream can't find his quarters, and his dad tells him he loves him, and, and they talk about how they miss mom. I cry and take a five-minute break. Ben is looking at the stars and meets a mysterious lady named Fena. They walk and have immediate connection, but she's cryptic. The next day, Ben has a skip in his step. He has a tea instead of a Ractuccino. Ben meets Dax and a terraformer is working inside a flux capacitor. His name is Gideon. And you know who's a big fan of Gideon? Gideon. Ben meets Fenna again, and they have a space date. And they have a plan to have a picnic ready the next day. But Ben notices every time he sees Fennish, he just disappears on some Batman shit. Jake and Ben talk about love. Jake tells his father that he approves that he starts seeing somebody. <laughs> what's, so, uh, what's so funny? Because we both know this episode. <laughs> <It's>, you know, <laughs> we got we to gotta do the pro wrestling thing. And we don't want to no-sell, right? We want to, like, sell it strong. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, Cisco asks Odo about Fena, but they don't have much info to go on about, and 
he worries that she's in trouble. Dax is mad that 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 Cisco hasn't talked to her because he would have talked to her when when she was Curzon. She's like, "Tell me about it," you know. And uh, Ben has dinner with Gideon, who is hoping to restore a dead star, and his jacket is dope. And they have a philosophical discussion about pessimism and optimism in art, which I dug. Bashir likes him because I think Bashir is really sort of into himself. So he sees this dude that's like really into himself and he's feeling it. Then Gideon introduces his wife, Nadell, who looks exactly like Fena, but she doesn't recognize Cisco and she seems like not completely present. And he mentions Fena and she makes a slight face, but she's not like, it's not very clear what's going on. And Odo cannot find Fena in any of the info logs. And Cisco says he saw her on the Prometheus uh, Gideon ship. And Odo says this is impossible because there's no one, no one has been leaving the ship besides Gideon. Quark tries to offer his friendship. Fena appears again. She doesn't understand what's going on. She continues to be cryptic. They have a kiss, but then she like phases away in front of Cisco's eyes. And um, Cisco decides that he wants to go with Dax and Gideon to witness the rebirth of a star, and I don't blame them. And Gideon talks about how he met Nadell and how he's had several wives, and she was a politician's daughter, obsessed with him. And in the world that he visited, people didn't really leave, but she leaves. And then Fenna appears out of nowhere again. Um, Cisco calls in Dax, and they realize that Fena is non-corporeal. She's like made of energy. And they get a call that Nadell is dying. There seems to be this thing where like, like Fena and Nadell cannot appear at the same time. Uh, and when Fena appears, Gideon sees him and he's upset. This is Nadell is a telepath and projector, and, and she projected Fena a few years ago. And Nadell promised she wouldn't project, but she doesn't have like a real realization of her projections and Cisco is trying to understand why Nadell is dying from her abilities and um you know it turns out that Nadell's people mate for life but there there are some struggles in the marriage and Fen is confused and scared because like Nadell is going to die if Fen doesn't return but like Fen is really feeling this this is a dream for her and she and Cisco kiss again and Gideon decides that he's going to go on a good goodbye mission. He's going to impact with the sun and sacrifice his name in the name of science and die so Nadell can live and also so he can really be remembered in the annals of time. And as the sun is reborn, Fena disappears. Nadell is better, but she, she doesn't remember her time with Cisco and she's going to return home. And um, Cisco is sad and the episode ends. It ended like a Hulk Hogan leg drop. Just powerful. So powerful. So like, powerful. So that's kind of where we're at with this episode. We're like Shawn Michaels and we're trying our best here. But let's start with the beginning. So the Federation was playing God, which was an interesting question to explore. But then it became a doppelganger episode. But then we learned a little bit about Sayatik and his wife. Sayatik is Gideon. I mean, just a little bit, because we get 
that little bit of info that they're married and and that's who the doppelganger is at the very end and we don't really learn too much about their marriage and it seemed like a metaphor for a couple in crisis and why people sometimes cheat and then just as i think we're going to explore psychology and feelings and communication and processing and get to some interesting meaty stuff say it to kills himself what some men will do to avoid therapy am i right we really don't like it even <laughs> though it's really changed my life for the better and and most men i know that 95% of men that i know that that go to therapy are like this is great for me yet this guy was willing to blow himself up in the sun then go to therapy well yeah i don't i think he had trouble with the fact that people didn't really women his his wives weren't really into him after a while he had some problems he had a lot of problems and then i thought maybe they'll go into the trauma of when someone in crisis kills himself no but nope it's just the end of the episode and cisco is missing his wife and is sad and happy about his short-lived romance and i guess that's a way to end this episode kill one person in a love triangle and have the other one move away. I guess that resolves the love triangle. There is no more triangle anymore. Yeah, I mean, as I said at the beginning of the, the episode, this episode is really for the completest. Aside from developing the idea that Benjamin is ready to start dating again, there it doesn't. It's not much for the mythology of the show, and it's 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 an episode that like. Yeah, it, it has a lot of promises, but doesn't really deliver, except for the the scene with the scenes where Ben and Jake are together are the best parts, are really special parts for me in in the beginning seasons because them just like really writing this beautiful, thoughtful relationship always struck me because like the support they have for each other and the love and respect they have for each other is really significant and like, just like, Oh, this is like a healthy father son relationship, which not every, most teenagers don't have with their dads, teenage men, at least in my anecdotal experience. There was a sweet and then funny scene where Jake was trying to talk to his dad and then his dad is acting goofy. And then I don't know if you caught this Jake, the actor himself like gives this look and it's kind of like a look to say, dad, you're acting weird. But it also read to me like the script is goofy. <laughs> look like that on his face. It's like, what is this? What, what, what is happening in this, in this episode? As we've discussed before, like in discussing these longer seasons of 90s serialized television, like Sometimes they just had to do like an episode of the week that's outside of continuity. And sometimes it's really satisfying. And sometimes you're like, okay, this is happening. <laughs> it's a thing. They did it. Yeah. Actually, that is one interesting thought I had about this episode is that watching something from the 90s is very different because nowadays everything is serialized. So there's no more episode of the week, at least not that I see, because I mostly watch streaming. My wife commented that episodes of the week make her sad because they start a story, bring on new characters, 
but you know you'll have to say goodbye to all of it at the end of the episode. So there is this kind of like melancholy to all episodes of the week because they have to be all wrapped up in that one episode. Whereas nowadays, we get to enjoy these characters or a story for a whole season or for several seasons, right? So I guess there is that, that kind of having to say hello and goodbye all in an episode. So I didn't even notice that we don't really do that anymore until she brought it up. It sometimes happens in sci-fi shows, and I'm sure it happens in shows that I don't watch. Like, I'm sure it happens on Blue Bloods, but I'm not exactly watching a show about a bunch of cops in New York City, you know, or like other shows like Law and Order or whatever. But yeah, most like sci-fi or genre shows are really about mythology. I mean, to be honest with you, I really don't have much else to say about this episode because the episode itself didn't give me much to work with. And I don't know what the episode itself was trying to say. I was almost invested. It started strong with the things that you mentioned, right? With the sadness of the anniversary of Jennifer's death and Jake's dream and all of that. But by the end, I didn't really care. I guess it had new setups, but the underlying plot was too formulaic to pull me in. Am I being too harsh? What did you think, Scott? Um, so yeah, this episode's like a solid, you know, like like 2.5. <laughs> Maybe a 3 if I'm being generous, but judging on an on a on a mo- it, it's like a 3 in a monster of the week rating system. I think there's different rating systems, which I'm which I'm scientifically developing. Yes. I think what's interesting is which you which you touched on a little earlier is bringing up the concept of terraforming, which is something that I don't remember being brought up in the Federation universe that they are actively trying to restart planets and suns and stuff, which yeah, it's like a little bit of both you like from a conservative the conservationist, not conservative or like ecological lens. It's like is that a good thing? Are we playing God? Would we use this for our best needs in in a global context? There was a a comic book in like the beginning of the aughts called Rising Stars, which like the concept was like, what if pe- what if there were a bunch of people that got superpowers? Which is definitely a trope that is often used. And this was by this was written by J. Michael Straczynski, who was the creator and writer of Babylon 5, which is definitely a counterpoint to Deep Space Nine. But one of the characters, what their superpower was that they could control and change things from molecular level. So they were used as like an assassin to like create heart attacks. Trust me, where where this is going somewhere. <laughs> and like late spoilers Later in the series, the the superheroes, the people with powers decide that they're going to just use their powers to make the world a better place. And she sacrifices herself using her powers to turn all the the sand in the Middle East into fertile land in the idea that uh, if there was more fertile land and more farmland, the the problems in the Middle East would cease to exist. And in this comic world, it does. And that was something that I was thinking about, like in terraforming. Like there is a theory, like like theoretically, by creating more land and more fertile land, maybe there'd be less issues. But 
in a in in a capitalistic world, I'm I'm not so optimistic. Yeah. If anything, that will make the land more wanted, right? Because now you have fertile, usable land, and now people are gonna really want to extract from that land and fight over it. Yeah, and and most in the in the world that we live in, abundance does not mean does not correlate to like people getting their needs met. Yeah, it is like a very simplistic explanation that works, you know, if you're a teenager reading this, right? A lot of tropes, a lot of genre stuff, like that was it. It was scarcity and somebody solved it. Because when you're a kid, you really did think there wasn't enough food in the world. And you're like, that's why kids are starving. And then you realize, no, there's like more than enough food, so much food that there's like a problem of too much food being thrown away. So it's not a problem of scarcity. It's a problem of exploitation and an accumulation, right? So this episode, unlike that comic book series you mentioned, it didn't really get to explore much. It was like, we find out a little bit and then not enough to even like know what the rules of that is for me to even like think about ethical questions. Like even like with the marriage between Sayatik and Nadell, they just said they're bonded for life. And then they don't explain enough of it to understand what the rules are you know, is this a religious thing or is it like some kind of uh, hormonal thing like with certain breeds of penguins or something? Like I didn't know what we were dealing with here for me to even think about these types of relational questions. So a lot of things were just kind of brought up and then they didn't give us enough meat to chew on it. And then they just killed the dude. And then here we are. Yeah, here we are. And yeah, I'm I'm doing my best to extract some meaning, but... <laughs> It's a little bit of a honey from the rock situation, but I'm still happy to discuss these with you. What is honey from the rock? Oh, it comes from like the Bible where like you can't, it's just like you can't extract honey from a rock. That is a truism. Yeah. All right, Scott, can you tell us a bit about the next episode? So the next episode is called Second Sight. No, it's sorry. <laughs> the next. The next episode is called Sanctuary, and it's about uh, some aliens coming from the Gamma Quadrant to seek sanctuary. Having already watched that episode, there are some similarities between that episode and this one that I'm sure we'll bring up so I can see why there is some confusion there. But until then... Yeah.